love it. Do we know what we're singing? Do we really know what we're singing? The Son of Man is revealed. The seventh seal is unveiled. That's pretty deep. Amen. Do you recognize what that actually even means? And where we're living. Dad preached everything. A lot of what I had this morning. You just sang everything else. So have a wonderful week. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs> That's about where I feel where you are right now. Oh my. But we'll just spend a little time. We had a wonderful time this morning in this presence. I love when he comes near and we can recognize he's here. And that's when things can happen. Sister Barb, I just was touched by your prayers. That's what we're here for. Because when he comes by, we can pull and recognize his presence. Amen. Amen. Let's turn. Matthew 16. We won't be here for a long time, but we're going to be here for a good time. Amen. Matthew 16, and we'll start with verse 1. You'll help me tonight. You'll pull. Thank you. I always, always know I'm going to get a good amen from this corner. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Ernie. I'm always going to hear it over here. And whoever else is amen, <laughs> the other, other area is going to have to step it up. <laughs> All right. Matthew 16. Thanks, Brother Dave. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Amen. You have your seats. Even back then, they were concerned about weather. They could know the know the skies. I find in this area, we're pretty constantly concerning the weather. But what's more important is where day what day are we living in? Amen. That was most important. They obviously spent a lot of time that, but couldn't discern the signs of the times, a specific time, and they were missing a lot of what was happening in those moments. And uh, certain times, there's times that I'm just gonna. At that time, there was a big junction that they'd come to. A junction in time. Brother, Brother Brown talks about junctions. And I want to just talk about it. He says the junction, God always, before these great junctions comes, or an ending off of time where he starts something new. Junctions with the old to the new, one dis- dispensation to another. He always shows forth his power. Man through the ages always breaks down, teaches away, explains away, and gets away from the real living God. But just before he junctions and enters a new dispensation, he appears on the scene. This is what God has done through time and through these junctions of time when things, there needs to be a corner. And we'll just, just look at what a, a junction actually is. We can just put up the, the first slide and we'll talk about junctions. This is a, a junction in the UK, busiest train junction in Europe, 100 to 180 trains per hour go through this junction. 
and it looks like this with some trains down in the level and you get down there and it's, it's a, there's a whole lot of things going on. A lot of different ways and places a train can go at a junction point. And critical that a train coming in knows exactly where it's going. Right? It's paying attention. The, the, the train engineer knows exactly which route to take. Or in this spaghetti, some serious things could happen. Right? That's in the trains. Junctions on the freeway, we've all driven. We've all been through certain uh, roadways where you have no clue where you're going. And you're trying to even catch the signs. Which road am I taking? Am I taking the overpass, the underpass, the middle pass, the upper, upper pass? That's what you'd be doing in this area. You have no clue what's going on. You have to heed the sign, the sign of where you're going. And this is in England. England apparently likes to have some really interesting <laughs> junctions, Brother Allen. <laughs> this one's five roundabouts in a roundabout. And uh, with the signs, that's what you get. So even then with some signs, and you're not, if you're not even paying attention, even something like this, you could be in a critical mess. That's a junction. And the last one there in France, one of the, one of the worst. And I don't know how, why they built it that way. Neither does man. In fact, in that one or the last one, they'd say just kind of get in the car, close your eyes and drive and hope you make it through. You need to know where you're going. You need to know what, what route in a junction to take. You know, the change, the current normal is about to change. And that, when you start entering that circle, the, what you've been on in that straight road that's coming into it, it's all going to change as you reach into that, into that circle there. Man, so that's a junction. You need to recognize where you're going. Now, God, when He's making a junction, He, uh, He doesn't really leave room for excuses. Because Brother Brown said he's gonna he's gonna appear on the scene. He's gonna make sure that you know something. He's gonna do something at that point. Amen. He says he appears on the scene and he'll always show forth his power. So man is left without an excuse when God is making a change. Brother Brown says never at any time nothing miraculous or nothing ever taken place unless God foreshadowed it by His Word. He revealed it, placed it so that men who fail to walk in it could, would have to stand before him, and he would have to stand without an excuse, because God makes it plain. Okay? God will make it plain to us. He's not going to make you confused and not understand, and then require you to make a change or, or come and, and something. He's making a turn, and you'd have no clue about it. He's not, he's not going to work that way. He said that if a man is concerned enough, he'll find it if you're concerned. It's there. But you have to be concerned, amen, to look into the word and find out what the Lord is doing. Now, the Pharisees obviously weren't concerned at the time enough to see what was happening. But well, just before that, we'll go to some other junctions leading up to that. Noah, Noah's time was a major junction. If we just look back in time, there were some major junctions through time that happened. And at Noah's time, man, we're building, they're multiplying ever increasing housing were everywhere and brother brownham he says they're building so much he goes there's no place to hunt rabbits he was it was just that concerned there was nothing and if we look in this area people are building if we're looking at noah's day let's let's be spiritual we heard it this morning as it was in the days of noah and we're going to obviously tie into that let's look at it in our day what are we doing here right? just in our area we can see that they're building with an increasing intensity just there's just nowhere to go Sin and wickedness set in. Scripture says every imagination of the thought of the heart was continually evil. But Abraham says they're binding together unions, confederations, one big city, 
a global village, if we would say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be, the worldwide web. I mean, right? It's the same same thing. We can see this, the ties between now and then. If you look very, if you're there and concerned, you'll see it. Man's hearts wax cold. They turned away from God. And the scripture says, sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair. And man, that age was so sexually orientated. It's all they cared about at that time. And they worshipped, but a percent of them worshipped women. You can see the parallel of this day. And God was coming to an extreme junction. In fact, he even limited then man's years to 120 years at that time, just before he came to Noah, if you look in the scripture. But he's then sent a warning. God's going to send his, a power and a, and a, and a sign. And he's, as Noah began to warn the people and preach, many of them just laughed at him. So God sent Noah now to bring a message to let them know there's a junction. There's a time at hand, something's going to change. Heed the, heed the warning. Look in the, look, hear what I'm saying. Recognize there's a change. Amen? We know, Brother Ram says, we know to see Noah, he went out warning the people saying, there was coming rain. But now imagine, Brother Bram says, the people didn't even know what rain meant. They didn't even know what it meant. It was a foreign word. You could have said some other language word or something. They don't know. What's rain? So you're telling me that something's coming. I have nothing. I don't know anything about it. I don't even know what it is. I haven't seen it. I haven't felt it or anything. I don't know. But I ha- we have to get in a boat. That would have been difficult. You need to put yourself there, and uh, which we'll see as we just go through tonight. It's a lot. It's easy to look back. It's easy to look back and be like, well, why didn't they see that? They should have gotten the ark. I mean, rain was coming. Of course. Hindsight's twenty twenty. It did. But you weren't there to not know what rain is, to hear a message preached to you of something you totally didn't understand and say, you know what, you're right. I'm getting in this ark because it's going to flood with something. I don't even know what it is. Put yourself there. And there's a people in the world today after 2,000 years of gospel preaching, they don't know what it means to be born again of the Spirit of God. It's Brother Branham. They don't know what omnipotence means. What? God in his great omnipotent power can transform a soul from a street sinner to an angelic position in God's kingdom as a son and daughter of God. They don't understand it. That's our day. That's our day. They're too taken up, infatuated with the things of the world, glaring, flirting with the world, and don't realize that it's an evil spirit and a great marking signpost for the people of this day. Watching this day, if you just look through the message, we'll parallel some other days. We'll parallel the days that were prophesied that would be like this day and try and be spiritual to see, oh, is it this time? Am I missing a signpost? People don't even know what it means to be born again in the Spirit of God. That's this day. Just straight heathen. Don't know nothing about the Scripture. Don't know nothing about Jesus Christ. Know nothing. And then we wonder, missing the signposts. But Noah recognized the hour. Amen? There's always going to be some a seed there at that day that will recognize the message of their hour. He heard God speak through the wickedness, through all of that, and he by faith built an ark. Amen? Of safety. Amen? 120 years of preaching. The same thing. So, 
I had a few of the quotes that Brother Tom preached this morning. I have the exact same quotes in. And I could just be preaching through and I read the exact same quote and preach out of my heart the same quote. And you're like, well, we just heard that this morning, Brother Michael. Yet no one did that for 120 years. Imagine a preacher coming here every service, the same preacher preaching the same thing. How many people would be sitting in here after a year? Just put it down to your, to your life, right? We can bring ourselves into what they were living at that time, right? So busy with life, they didn't, even, they didn't recognize that God was striving with them and was not going to strive any longer. And only eight souls recognized in that hour, not including Enoch who had left already, eight souls got on the ark in Noah's day because they never recognized the message nor the messenger of that time. Critical error for the people in Noah's day. Amen. It's Noah. Junction of time, another junction. Moses' time was another junction. A time where God was going to do something great. Again, the people that had been prophesied and God told Abraham would be in slavery for 400 years. He said, Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. This is what Abram was, Abram was told. And that they would have be, shall afflicted them for 400 years. And God was now going to step in and take the people out in a mighty way. This was a big junction. God was going to come in. Prophecy was going to be fulfilled for Israel. Now, the people had to, Moses was given a, a message, but Abraham said, Moses at the bush, he saw the omnipotent, he heard him, he seen the miraculous, and God wasn't satisfied with just giving Moses just a message. He said, to go down and preach alone to the Egyptians, preach to the Israelites, God wasn't uh, just to reveal it to one man. He said, take these signs, take these signs and show them down there that I'll be with you. So now Moses is going to come down and with a strong arm, God's going to show his power to the Egyptians and to Israel to bring his people out. But Abraham says, change. The junction had come, time for something to take place. But before that thing takes place, God gives his warning that I'm still Jehovah, I'm still, I'm still live, and I'm omnipotent, and I'm the miraculous God. This is what God was wanting to show. Big change coming, and I'm still God. Amen? So here Israel had to then recognize that Moses was the prophecy fulfilled in their day. Okay? They didn't have the Torah quite then. Moses wrote the first books of the Bible. So I don't know what they had, but they had to have something, I would imagine, or via people talking or handing it down, but they knew that they were going to be delivered because that was spoken to their father Abraham, so they knew that. So they knew a deliverer was coming. How they knew that or what was wrote, I don't know. But there was something there, and they had to then apply what was spoke to Abraham and say, it's being fulfilled right here in Moses right now. At that time. So here comes Moses, who had been a prince of Egypt, who had now left, had tried to take, do it with his natural self, had now killed, killed some Egyptians, fled away, and he's come back and saying, I'm here to deliver the people. And they had to believe this. They had to believe this. And we can see that God did something incredibly miraculous over and over and over again for the people to, and I, I, most people I would, there was a lot of people that went out of, out of Israel, with Israel and left out of Egypt because they could see the signs and the power that God was, was doing at the time through Moses' ministry. But if you go through all of that, only two made it across into the promised land. 
through all of that. All this, all that they saw. Now, it wasn't recognized enough that they could have, they made it over into the promised land. If we go through the, if you go through all of the examples, there was a lot of grumbling and complaining and, and not maybe fully recognizing what was behind the veil of flesh. Children of Israel strove a lot with the, uh, with Moses and over and over again. But Aram says, watch how, pro- watch how the fire comes each time. Watch how prophets come each time. Watch how miraculous are done each time. Watch how God vindicates himself in healing and powers each time at a crossroad. Never before, right at a crossroad, at a junction. Amen. So there's a junction there in Moses' time. And God showed himself mighty. Now, the greatest junction of all time. I didn't remember what time I started. Was the junction when law was changing to grace. This was a great junction. And God didn't want anybody to miss this this time. He didn't want no one to not recognize what he was doing at this moment. Okay? He provided prophecy after prophecy to allow his people to prepare ahead. But Abraham says Gabriel was the angel there appearing at the junction time. He says about 33 years before it happened, God started in plenty of time to forewarn them that the junction time was at hand. God was caring here. So I don't want these people to miss it. I'm coming in a mighty way, the mightiest way. He himself was going to come in a body of flesh at a major junction of time. Let's take a look at what's going to happen. This is going to happen. Here's a prophecy here. Gabriel came 33 years prior. What did he do? To come a virgin shall conceive. Amen. Like I said, it's easy for easy for us to look back at what was being done there. And we can say, well, a virgin conceived and there was Mary and all these things happened. But let's put ourselves then. Let's put ourselves then. All right. Because it's always we can and we've and we we see it in this day. But the veil of flesh is so hard for people to see through. God has always used man. It started back in Moses' day, and I won't won't get into all that, but because Moses had to put the veil on his face because the people didn't want to have God speak to them directly. It was too great, and the thundering and lightnings, and God came down and meeting Moses on the mountain. They said, this is too much. You speak to us. God speak to you. You speak to us. And that's where Moses came out from in the presence of God and put the veil on his face, and he's shining forth. He said, Moses, you you speak so Moses was God to the children of Israel. And that's the pattern that God has used since that time is man. And he's used the veil of flesh and man has stumbled on it from day one. So here was this great junction. A virgin shall conceive. Isaiah 7.14. This is a long time before. Now let's remember, and I'm not going to get ahead, I will get ahead of myself, the children of Israel at this time, they were experts. They had the Torah. They, they weren't, this wasn't just something that it was their religion. I'm working hard to look at this part of the assembly. Sorry about it, Jeff. I'm working on it. <laughs> this was their life. I'm now going to lock eyes with you every time. <laughs> okay. They lived their, what you would say their religion. Okay. They weren't just, well, I'm a Buddhist or I'm a this and then they switched. No, this was their life. Okay. 
And so this wasn't just something that they, they, you know, looked at, you know, every other weekend or something or every time they went to church. They, every day, and studied it deep and poured over it. And they, their children were raised up. It was their school. They, they knew the scriptures like the back of their hand. So let's try and remember that as, as we go through and all the prophecies that, prophecies that were foretold about this time, they knew. This wasn't that they didn't know it. They did know them. A virgin shall, con- shall conceive. And, um, but Abraham said it started 33 years prior. And then and we'll go into the other, other prophecies here in a second that came up. Deuteronomy 18.15, The Lord thy God shall raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. This was Moses. And they kept, Moses was extremely high in Israel's books. He was the prophet that brought them out of Israel, brought the lost. But Moses was at the highest, really, in, in, their, in their realm. So when then a prophet is going to be like unto Moses, you think they'd be watching for that. That would be critical, you'd think. But then it starts to happen. Prophecies start to be fulfilled. And it's just an illegitimate baby's born in their eyes. You know, some relationship with a Roman soldier. Carpenter. He sweated. He got tired. He's just a man that lived amongst them. And that's all it was to them was just flesh. This was their hour. God had prepared prepared early in advance, as Brother Branham said, and this was their time to recognize who was there, and they are blind. Because all that their law had become was just a tradition. And the tradition had blinded them from what God was doing in their midst at that moment. The greatest junction of time and their traditions had blinded them from seeing it. We must be careful that we don't make traditions out of this message, another great junction of time, and make the word of God for our hour of no effect to us because it's just become something that we just lived a life out of tradition. If it could happen to them, it can definitely happen in this time. Amen. The reason they didn't accept Jesus because they were living in the glare of the law. And when Jesus came, not on the, not contrary to the law, he came to fulfill the law. But they couldn't accept him because his message wasn't exactly the way they had all created it out. So they had already figured out how it should be, how it will manifest. They read the prophecy, it's going to be this way. And it wasn't quite the way that they had expected. He didn't keep their traditions. He really upset them. And he tore it up. And done things things contrary to it, insomuch that they thought he was breaking up the churches. This was Jesus Christ fulfilling the law, Amen. And they thought he's breaking up their churches, tearing it all up. This is what's happening in front of them. They couldn't receive him. They couldn't receive him because of his message. And we all know today that he come exactly in line with God's prophecy. We can all look back and we know that it came just exactly how the scriptures laid it out. Same scripture. The scripture hasn't changed. 
We look at the same scripture they looked at, and we can see that it did. But in that moment, at that time, they missed it. Living in that moment, it was missed. They didn't recognize God in their midst at that time. Now, there was a study that was done, and it looked at eight specific prophecies about Christ. And we know there's more than eight. Some say there's several, several hundred prophecies in the scripture. Some say 300 that prophesied Christ. And they came up with an extremely conservative probability of each one being fulfilled. They took eight out of the several hundred in scripture. They just took eight, took a conservative probability of each one of those being fulfilled. And then they considered the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling eight of them. Okay. So we understand that it took eight and then a conservative probability. And then said, okay, together. And the prospect that anyone, uh, the prospect that anyone would satisfy those eight prophecies was one in 10 to the 17th power. Okay. That is a number that is this big. No, that big. That's one. Okay. It's a hundred quadrillion. It's a very big number. Just to give you an idea, visualization of this, if you mark one of ten tickets and place all the tickets in a hat and thoroughly stir them and then ask someone to get blindfolded and draw one out, what are they doing? It's one in ten chances that they have to pull that out of the, out of the hat, okay? Ten tickets to put one in, one in ten chances. Suppose we take the ten to the seventeenth power of silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all the state two feet deep. Okay? That's how big that number is. Silver dollars, two feet deep, all over the state of Texas. Now mark one of those silver dollars, two feet deep. Stir the whole mass all over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up one silver dollar and pick the right one. That's one in a hundred quadrillion chances of eight prophecies happening and being fulfilled by one man. That's, that's just let that sink in. All right. Eight prophecies. A virgin will give birth and he'll be called Emmanuel. It's prophesied in Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. Fulfilled when an angel came to Mary, Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Luke 1, 35. Christ is born in Bethlehem. But thou, Bethlehem of Rotha, thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of thee will come forth unto me, that is the ruler of Israel. Micah 5, 2. Fulfilled when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. 3. Jerusalem will rejoice as the Messiah comes upon a donkey. Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. O shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king shall come unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. Zechariah 9, 9. Fulfilled when Jesus came. Matthew 21, 8, 10. I'm at 3. There's 8. There's just 8. Just 8 for these to be fulfilled. Is incredible. And Jesus fulfilled all of them. All of these, you think the experts of the scriptures would have been seeing just eight being fulfilled and would have caught this 
something major is happening at this moment. Because we've studied the scripture, we know what's happening, eight out of several hundred prophecies, and they just have been fulfilled. Not so. It was missed. It was missed by the majority. And even with all the power and demonstration, those that were around Christ were also missing it. That to me is really incredible. Really incredible. But Abraham said even John the Baptist would have missed Jesus unless the spirit uh, coming out of, uh, like the presence out of a, like a dove coming down and saying, this is my beloved son. But Abraham said, unless that happened, John the Baptist would have missed that. Or how about the disciples asked him saying, why then said the scribes that Elias must first come? They'd missed John the Baptist. The disciples missed the forerunner of Christ. Right around him. Jesus said, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise also the Son of Man suffer of them. And then the disciples understood that he spake to them of John the Baptist. I'm just showing you at the moment... Without a predestinated seed gene of God, without the power of God in you, you're not going to catch what God is doing in your hour. That's what we're really just trying to see here. Amen? Trying to just drill that down. What was happening at the time? How incredible it was happening. The pro- Just eight prophecies, but still missing the importance of that junction. The most major junction of time, and it was being missed by most. Jesus even told them, he said, search the scriptures for in them. You think you have eternal life and they are they that testify of me. Go back to your scripture. Go look. I'm telling you, I'm showing you signs are being done. Wonders are made. The sign of the Messiah, the prophetic Messiah sign was being done in front of them over and over and over again. Certain ones were catching it, but here are those that were scribes and Pharisees were missing it. And they knew the scripture more than anybody. It didn't have nothing to do with whether you knew the scripture or not. At the end of the day, Peter was illiterate. He had to be told what was, what was said. He went, he went to the synagogue and they would have heard it, but he couldn't read it. And they crucified the very Messiah that they were waiting for because they missed all the signs. They missed the prophecies. But Abraham says, the unveiled God in plain view, they should have seen him standing there, yet he was too common, too ordinary. They couldn't see it. He stood a man. Wow, they said, this guy, what school did he come from? But remember, when that spear struck his body, the spear left him. The temple, the sacrifice blocks turned over and the lightning whipped through the temple and the veil was rent. What was it? There was their God hanging on Calvary and they were too blind to see it. What a pitiful time. What a sad time for them that they're missing. They had, they're hundreds of years since Moses' time and since the law and they've treasured this to, to a fault. They treasured it and here they're missing it at that moment and they've missed the Messiah they waited for. Won't that be just like now? How many Christians have even waited for Christ's coming and all the prophecies that are laid there pointing to his coming and will miss it? 
We're in that moment. Because they're staring at a man and that's all they saw in Jesus' time. But Abraham says there's nothing in a man or woman can be desired. It's what's in behind there. That's what's it. Well, you say the fellow I know, he used to be a drunkard. He used to do this. Now let's put that in our own midst. Well, I know what this person does and I've seen them do that. I don't care what he used to do. What's hid behind the skin? Heard this morning. What's hid behind the skin? What is behind there that counts? The skin blinds the people. They say, I remember what that woman used to. I know what she used to, but what about now? What's behind the veil now? Amen? Because they're looking with eyes of flesh, not eyes of faith, that they did not see what was happening before their eyes in Jesus' time. We rely so much on these, on this body. This is our bubble. We have our five senses. And we live in the world of our bubble here. And that's what we, we feel, we see. And sight and, and hearing are, are pretty big ones for us. Obviously feeling and such. They're all, they're all pretty pertinent and, <laughs> and required. I had a cold a little while ago and I, I was so stuffed up I couldn't smell a thing. I couldn't taste a thing. Eating was a nuisance, an annoyance. And it might as well not do it. I couldn't taste a thing. It was just the bizarrest thing. We rely on our senses. They're pretty precious to us. But we can rely on them way too much. And our reality is confined to that little circle around us. Because if I can't see it or feel it or interpret it through this avenue that we have, then it must not matter or must not be real, etc., just to give you a better idea, we see that little colored spectrum in the middle. This is our sight right here. Okay, this is where light is. It, all these things here and here are things that are happening right now, but you can't see them. You can't hear them really right now. You need a device. Man has created things for you to be able to to uh, recognize, to see, to intercept voices in the air, etc. That, that's all in this realm, okay? It's quite a big realm. You can see a very tiny, or a very tiny spectrum there, okay? So when we think our world's pretty large, it's actually pretty small, what we're seeing, okay? Don't think your reality is just this. Reality is actually quite much, much larger here. But what if our reality was squinched and really there's a lot more going on and the sixth sense is your only way to actually know it's there because how are we to know we can go we can think this is what is really out there and this is what man knows and you're only getting this but who are we god created it there's a lot more out there And he's given us a sixth sense to be able to reach beyond this bubble. Amen? The veil. Reach beyond this veil of flesh. Faith, the sixth sense. Five senses are fine, but our brand says. 
It's the substance of things hoped for. You don't taste or feel or smell or hear or see, but yet you know. It tells you so. Faith tells you so. It comes to you a substance, not imagination. It's something you have. He says, now don't look at me now. You can look at me, but look, let your faith, this is, he's on the, he says to a, to a person, don't look at me now, see. You can look at me, but look, let your faith look beyond that. You can look at me with physical eyes, catch this, but look at him with your eyes of faith, that he is that word, and he has just changed his mask, see, from what could not be seen to what is absolutely declared the word made flesh. He's telling this this person, look, you can look at me fine. But look, he's just changed his mask. And they're staring at a prophet on the stage. And Christ is there through a prophet dealing with this person. He's saying, don't, from what he could be seen, uh, he's just changed his mask from what could not be seen to what is absolutely declared. The word made flesh. The importance of our eyes of faith to be able to penetrate past the veil of flesh that is hindering and hindered at the most critical junction of time. It hindered most people on the face of the planet to see what was actually happening. But it's not all that way. I say most. Because there are those that have the sixth sense. There are those that are predestinated to recognize what's happening in their day. Amen? Every hour had some, had people that were elected. We've heard it, we've heard it so now often. Because God's trying to drill it obviously into our hearts, our minds, our hearts, to realize that we are an attribute as we heard this morning. And so therefore, we will recognize our hour. We will. If you are a thought of God, there is no way, there's nothing that will hinder you or stop you from actually recognizing your position. Amen. We heard this morning. By grace are you saved through faith in Christ Jesus. By grace. It's just His grace. That we're saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And it's a gift of God. Amen. That takes a lot of the worry of someone straining. Because it will come. God's revelation will strike you at a, at a point, at a moment. If you are an attribute of God. And that's the wonderful thing. Amen. That we rest in. But at the time, at this junction. There were those that recognized those happening. And I think of the, the woman with the issue of blood. And I can imagine that she was there through all the throngs of people that were thronging and, and around Jesus and some just there to see what was happening. But there were those that actually caught what was happening. Amen. And it was with genuine faith. It became a positive thing to her, Brother Branham says. And what did it release? It released his power to heal her. Amen. Because it touched him in such a way. I can imagine her trying to get through the crowd. It was a crowd. I mean, this wasn't just, you know, a few people around. There were throngs of people following Christ. He was doing a lot. There were healings and miracles and such. And so people were there just like they were Brother Branham's time. Thousands. And she had to get to him. She had to get there. That was she. I have to touch his garment. That's where her faith was. And so she made sure she recognized 
that's what I must do. Think of what you had to do to do that. Through the crowds and the jostling and the stomping and the stampeding and trying to get through just so she could get a hold of that garment. But that's what her faith was reaching for. And she did it. Because why? She recognized God in her midst. Amen. The woman who washed the Lord's feet is an incredible account. And it touches me just so deeply. Of one Simon, Brother Brown talks about it in a couple of messages. And here was Simon the Pharisee. And the only reason why he brought Jesus to his house, Brother Brown talks about, is to prove that he was not the prophet. He said he was. That's what he, Brother Brown says. He, Simon was just there to, to show that he wasn't who he said he was. So he's just there to mock him. And here they're having a great feast. Simon's built up quite the, quite the party and all of the extravagance that would have gone with it. And he's there to show off essentially his riches and who he is, his position. And now he's got all of the fineries and the feasting and the pleasures that he could, he could put on at that time. And then he's invited now, he's invited Jesus to this. And for one purpose of t- just to mock him. And now look at the difference. Here's one who is not recognized whatsoever what is in his midst. And he's put Jesus now off alone, off to the side. But Abraham says the disciples weren't there. They weren't invited. He says Jesus, he invited Jesus. And what happened, but Abraham says a lot of the Eastern, uh, you know, feasts and such, is, you know, a lot of people would kind of be outside the... the um, the compound or, or wherever the houses were, they couldn't come in, but they would, they, they would flock and they would see and they could kind of see in. And as we know the story or we know the situation, if a guest would come in, they would be, they'd be welcomed. And they'd be welcomed according to their custom. And it was, it's quite the custom. I can't imagine being welcomed quite in the way that they did, but imagine they would wash the feet. We know the foot wash flunky because of the, the muck and the the mud, the animal droppings, the dust. They're walking through it. They're just in sandals. We, I love shoes and I wear socks. I just don't not wear sandals because I don't like it. But they wore their bare feet all the time. I couldn't, uh, it just wouldn't be pleasant to me. But that's what they did in their skirts and the, the robes that they wore. All of the dust and all the muck and everything would be, would be caught in there. And their legs are sweaty and dusty. It's nasty. And so they'd come into a, a special feet, feast and they'd be washed. Their, their feet would be washed. Sorry, I'll take it off. I can see you guys looking back there. And so they would give them little slippers to walk on the nice carpets. They would anoint them with oil. The sun that was beating on their face because it would be hot. And it was a special oil that they would, would give them and rub them down. And the, the host would, would greet them with a, with a kiss on their neck. And, and it, it was a process. A process of welcoming, you are my guest, and I welcome you. Amen? And Simon didn't do anything, because Christ was unwelcome in Simon's home. And a spectacle is what he wanted. And the God, the God that created heavens and earth, the king of kings, is sitting in Simon's feast off in a corner, unwelcomed, unrecognized 
hurt, just hurts my heart. But there was a little lady. And we would consider her the, the lowest of the lows. But Abraham says that's who Christ's reputation was with. It was with the sinner. Because he saved them. And so the sinner, this prostitute, was seeing Jesus in a corner because she could hear what was going on and there was obviously a big feast and such and she came and she could see that Jesus is sitting off alone unwelcomed and this was a travesty to her here's a seed here's a predestinated seed recognizing God in her midst so this cannot be can't be so she goes but Ram talks about her going to get her money money that she made through ill living and sinful living and going to buy the oil, going to the shop, buying the best, getting in a little alabaster box and rushing to the house of Simon, the Pharisee. And now she had to break through. Now she's going beyond a comfort zone here. I just want to kind of just stay and, you know, not do anything out of the normal or and this is my, my life and you kind of keep your spiritual life maybe a little bit back or no she had to go through all those comfort zones to reach christ he was in a corner he was there but he she had to get through so she gets through all all of whatever she had to do deal with to get into this this party that she wasn't invited to and she comes now and here she puts herself with jesus's feet recognizing that his feet are unwashed he's been unwelcomed and Brother Bram says, just sitting as a wallflower in Simon's home. And if you can just imagine the scene of this little, precious little sister. As she kneels down in her, now her tears, she's recognized Christ. Brother Bram says she talks about, I, I, she heard about what happened to the woman at the well. She heard about another prostitute that her sins were forgiven. She says, I must see Jesus. She knew what was going on. She knew that's the answer to my problems. And I'm going to get there. She got there. And her tears now are weeping. And she's crying. And she's at his feet. His feet are dusty and muddy and full of muck from the road and the animals. And now she's caressing them and weeping on them. And she's got her oil and her hair now falls down. Little Brown says her hair was done and it falls. And now she's washing Jesus' feet with her tears and anointing him with oil. And he's kissing it. And you can hear, you can imagine, she's kissing. Oh, and she's worshiping God. Something Simon completely missed. Everyone else missed. And she's worshiping the Lord. And doing what Simon should have done is recognize God in her midst at that moment. And she's now doing that and she's washing. And her hair has fallen down and she's rubbing. And imagine what she would have looked like. But Abraham says, bearing his reproach. The muck would have been on her face. Her hair would have been all a tasseled mess. And the, the oil, you can imagine what the oil would have done. And she didn't care about her looks at that moment. She didn't care anything about the circumstance around her. She cared that she reached Christ and could get to his feet. Because she knew her sins needed to be forgiven at that time. There was no other time for her. It was that time. Her time of recognition was then. Amen. She didn't care what happened. 
She had no towel. She had nothing. And it would have been quite the mess, but it was a wor- she worshipped the Lord. And Jesus never moved a foot. You got, everybody's looking at this now. A prostitute at Jesus' feet. Simon saying, see, doesn't even know who this person is. And thought, he got him. This is exactly what I brought him here yeah. to do. What a, what a dichotomy. Yes, right. Here, Simon, thinking he's, he's a false prophet. And here, a woman, a sinner, yeah. has just had her sins forgiven in just a few moments. Her life completely changed. That's the side we want to be on. Whatever it takes. Amen. Jesus said, I have ought against you. You brought me here saying this to Simon. You wanted to show me off. You wanted to prove that I was what I, wasn't what I am. And you brought me here. You should have had my feet washed, but you never. You should have given me oil and anoint my head, but you didn't. You never kissed me welcome. And this woman, ever since I've been here, has washed my feet with her tears, has wiped them with her hair, constantly kissed my feet. I have something against you, Simon. The king of kings had something against him. That's not a position anyone would want to be. And he turns to this little sister. He says, I can just imagine seeing her standing there and her big pretty eyes all stained up on her face. And the grease and the dust of the road and just nothing presentable. Here she is before the king of glory. He said, your sins which are many are forgiven. Go in peace. Wouldn't those have been the sweetest words? Your sins which are many are forgiven. Amen. If you can recognize Christ in the moment, maybe this moment, you recognize Christ, that's the same response. Your sins, which are many, are forgiven. Amen. She recognized her opportunity, but Abraham said she did. She did him a service. And she saw and she recognized his presence. Amen. Wonderful account. And it means much to me. Something that we need to hold. Because there's a time. There's a moment you might, whether you've received Christ or not, I don't know, but there's a moment when God's going to come down and it's up to you to recognize. She could have been at the wall. She could have been looking in and she could have said, oh, you know what? I am not going to do that. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not going to go and that's too much money. I, I can't. She could have fought all of the different things, all the different senses and thoughts and circumstances that she saw. But that was not the case. She pushed through all that. And by faith, she said, I must get to his feet. And by that, she's saved and lives as a testimony for us. And how many people have been saved have been said, you know what? That's me because of that, because of her perseverance, because of her recognition of her time. Amen. Amen. Let's go really quick here. So what are we recognizing now? What are we recognizing? We can look at everyone else's day. We can look at their times. We can look at their prophecies. But now it's down to our time. Our day. That's what's now most important to us. You know, but Abraham says Luther had a revelation from God and he pounded justification. That's what he said, quotes, pounded justification. But that just won't save you in this day. 
Someone else's message won't save you now. You can look back. I don't care where you want to look back, whether it's just to the 1800s, the 1700s, all the way back to Moses. No, I don't really care where. That message of that hour will not save you today. That's vital. Absolutely vital. But Abraham says he only recognizes the token. That's the message of the hour. That's not any, doesn't need to get much clearer than that. That's the message of this day. That's the message of this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive it. Clear. The message of the hour is the token for this day. That's pretty, pretty clear. Everybody has to have though an individual experience. The alabaster box, she had an individual experience. Paul and Damascus met the pillar of fire in an individual experience. It changed him forever. You know that no one else saw the light around him. But he, he saw the light till it burned his eyes out. And he had to get, his eyes had to be touched. Think of it. Brother Branham says, one can recognize it and completely be changed and the next person beside, nothing. Nothing. Sobering for a group like this. The message could be being preached. The preaching of the word could be going forth and someone's catching it and someone's not. Catch it. Maybe not tonight. Maybe this morning, whatever night, catch it at your time. Can you discern the signs of the times? Pharisees couldn't. They couldn't discern the signs of the times. And it's easy to scoff the Pharisees. It's easy to go back and, <laughs> scribes and Pharisees, woe unto them, woe unto them. I mean, Jesus is really strong with them. And we can look back and like, wow, that's strong. Woe unto the Pharisees. I mean, they missed it, they missed it. What about our signs of these times? Don't be a scribe and Pharisee and miss it. Luke 17, 26 to 30. We can say, well, what is our time? Are you concerned? But our man says, you're concerned. You'll find it. We can say, wow, you know, we hear about the prophet. We hear about this. And, you know, we've grown up hearing it. But why? Why do we need that? Where are we? Why are we saying it's the end time? Have, have you looked? I'm speaking maybe to the younger ones that are just growing up. Many of you have because, but have you looked in the scriptures as why we need a prophet? Brother Tom said this morning, as it was in the days of Noah, it became a revelation to him. It was, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. We heard him say that this morning. But that's so critical because we saw what Noah's day was like. Well, if it was as that, if Noah's day is supposed to be like our day, these start to become some critical pointers, signposts at a junction that's coming. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they brought, bought, they sold, they planted, they built it. Same day Lot came out of Sodom, it rained fire. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So, Malachi 4, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. These are scriptures, prophecies for our day as signs at a junction that's coming. Are we catching and recognizing our hour? That is the critical piece. We might, no man knows the time that the coming of Christ will be, but we're in the season. That's a critical piece of information in case you didn't catch that news alert. We're in his coming. 
Malachi 4 has been fulfilled. The mysteries have been revealed. And you, you might need to go back and you may not quite understand well, what those mysteries are. This is then what you must do. I'm pointing you. I'm telling you there's a junction. We're at a junction. God is showing through his word signs pointing us which way to go. We better be catching it. We better be catching it. Amen. And not missing it because of the veil of flesh, which too many in this day we've seen have done. They've tripped up on the flesh, on the veil that is that Christ has been in. This is the part that then Brother Tom this morning just kind of went all over. And so now I'm like, where do I go? Lord, help me. We're going to close on these few little thoughts and go and go home and enjoy the week. (laughs) Uh, Brother Bram says, I wonder what could happen today. I wonder if it could be different than what our traditions has taught us. And it come and something would pass through and we'd never even know it until it's already passed and then it's over. He said, that's just about the way it'll come. That's getting down, right down to where we are. Right down to where we are. He said, God can't break his word. In the last days, it has to be the same thing in the past. He said, see what blinded Israel was the man. You're a man making yourself God. That's what they killed him for. And today, because the message come through a man and not angels, see, God can't change his way, change his word. He said he changed not. Notice promise, and the Gentiles are just as blinded today as Israel was because the veil. God veiled in a human being, blinded Israel. But we heard this morning, there will be a bride that recognizes in our day that we're in a process of the second coming. There will be a bride. And I'm preaching to them. Amen. But Ed spoke a message. The expression of his coming. In 2008. I've listened to it a few times now. And it is was has blessed me so much. And he spoke about those. There were those that did catch. They did catch what. Christ in their midst. In, when he came. And when he ascended. He told them. Go to Jerusalem and tarry. Okay. The Holy Ghost is going to come. Tarry there. Okay, exactly. 500 were seen in the scriptures. You read it. But we find in the 120 were in the upper room. I don't know what happened between those that saw him ascend and the shorter number that were in the upper room. Something happened there. I don't know. But I hope and I believe here that Brother Ed said in 08 that we're a people that will identify with 120. Amen? And the 120 were there for day one, and day two, and day three, and day four, and they just went all the way through the days. They lingered and tarried until ten days. Amen? And they could say, we're still here. And Brother Ed preached forth, he said, we're still here. And I said, you know what? We're still here. Eleven years down the road, we're still here, still holding on to the word of this hour, and believing for a rapture, because that's where we're at. Amen? Amen. I'm so... Though Christ the mystery of God revealed, the unveiling of God is just incredible messages to me. And the how God 
that filled all time and space. His whole plan to bring himself down to fellowship with man and to live through man, to express himself through his, through a people is so incredible. God. Daniel prays in one, in Daniel nine, a dreadful God. Yes, he's a God of love. He's God. He's sovereign. And his whole plan to come so that he could fellowship, become tangible, and live through and fellowship with a bride is such an incredible thought. Therein lies the mystery. Christ, the mystery revealing through a people is is. It's incredible. That, but Abraham says in that message, come back to this message. So we must go back to that message. If you believe that he is a prophet for this hour and you are recognizing our day and our hour and the word for it, and he says, if you're, if you can't go get it, come back to this message, go back to that message. You read that message. It's very long. You're not going to do it in one shot, but you go back to that message. Amen. The final act is the bride's recognition. The, the wrap-up of all of this is the bride's recognition. Brother Branham says, past 25 years, Israel had just recognized that they... He's talking about Israel now being in their homeland. He speaks in the Recognize Your Day and some message. He speaks a lot of where Israel is because Israel's our timepiece. And so he talks about Israel and her homeland. It was prophesied. He said, at that same time, the bride has recognized the evening light. Just begin to recognize. And we heard this morning when she knows, when she recognizes her position. Rapture. Remember, says, you just begin to recognize. The hungry Pentecostals begin to recognize. Them organizations hasn't got anything they was looking for. They're so twisted up. See, it's time of recognition. You've got to recognize. The world's recognized. Nations recognize. Science recognized. The devil's recognized. It's time he can wreak havoc on women, wreck the church, wreck the people. He's recognized it. But God has recognized it as a people on earth that he predestinated to life. He recognized that it's time to send his message. He did it. The people has recognized it. The bride, time has realized the evening light. That's where we're at. And God is expressing himself now through a bride. That's the final moment. That's what he's been trying to do all through history. If you go back and read his quotes, Brother Ram talks, all those that typed them said the mystery was hid. Them men didn't know what they were doing. He talks about all those of old time. They only knew that they were led by the Spirit. He says holding it back in the last days for a great revelation, but expressing it himself in Moses and David. They didn't even know what they were. They were just being led by the Spirit. They didn't know any type. They didn't know nothing. You could take each one of those prophets and bring their lives out and show how it expressed Christ perfectly, exactly, but they didn't know this. They didn't know this. Never giving his full secret in full, waiting for it to make it known in the last days as he promised, waiting for it to be fully comprehended or recognized or realized before he could express it. He says, if he told the whole thing, that's where the mystery lies, is Christ now and his people, giving them the whole, you can look back and say, oh, that's what he, that's what God was doing. That's what he was unveiling himself. That's why he showed, oh, that's Joseph like that. They didn't know that. No other age has known that until now. Why? 
so that you, a seed, could recognize the message of this hour and say, I am an attribute. Oh, God's expressing himself through me. That That's my place in the word. Why? That's why he's opening the word. That's why he sent a prophet so that you could come to that point. No other people has come to a point of, I'm bride. Christ in me, the hope of glory. No other people come to that point. They didn't have a message to show them that until now. That is incredible. Brother Ed gave a line and he wrote it down. He said, write it down. And I did. He said, I am a participant in the great mystery of God. If he told us to write in 2008, write it down. Amen. Our pastor said, write it down. I am a participant in the great mystery of God. Wow. And he talks about masks, but Abraham talks about the mask and the changing the mask. Say, you know what, Lord? He's going to be manifesting himself to the, to the, as a son of David and such down the road. But at this moment in time, before he comes, and his mask has been changing. But if you looked at that great stage, musicians can come. If you looked at that great stage of the drama, and Brother Branham talks about it, the mask changing. But if you looked at it now and the mask changing, you're, you're going to look down and you're going to see Jeff Woman. You're going to see Mark Florent. Because it's Christ veiled in you and me. Amen? If we can grab a hold of that. We heard it this morning. We're hearing it on Wednesday. Why? Over and over again. It's not Noah of 120 years, but it's now because God is driving it home. This is you. This is your position. Recognize your time. You are Christ now. Amen. If we can grab a hold of that just this moment, things would change. Actually, rapture would happen. Amen. This church and around the world, if we can come to that point, that's what we're preaching for. Amen. Glory to God. Let's stand. We have something to praise him about, don't we? Absolutely. Amen. I love that attributes. A certain bell that's needing to be. God needed a certain thing, a certain expression at this time. So that's why you're here. That's why you are here. Because Christ needs you to express a part of him at this time. That's not small stuff. That's deep stuff. But we can catch that. Wow. The king of glory needs me to express him in this day. This flesh veiled Christ. Don't trip up on the skin. Over and over again, man is tripped up on the skin. Don't trip up on your skin. Nor on anyone around us. Say, I am Christ in flesh today. That is powerful. Amen. I think I need to sing the original life. Yeah. You sang it at the beginning. Right. Now let's sing it again, yes. realizing actually where we're at. Yeah. Amen. We are the Word are. made flesh today. Amen. May it be a little bit more reality after this morning and tonight's service. This is what the Scripture say. And if you haven't got into there to say, where am I? You get into those Scriptures. You find out why. How is this the end time? How does this relate to the days of Noah? It's pretty hard to miss that one. But, okay, so then where's the messenger? Where is that? You need to get in there and know, where am I at this time? And recognize your day and this message and its messenger. Amen. Let's sing it. We are the Word made flesh today. mean a little bit more just a little bit more to you now tonight amen i was looking for it amen sleeping saints will wake and join us for translation in this hour that's this day 
Amen? That's, that's an incredible time to live in. But Abraham says, you know, it's not going to happen quite like maybe you think. You know, we can all have maybe some idea of what is guaranteed it probably won't be quite that way. But you know what? There's one thing for certain. There will be a voice that will bring the sleeping saints up. That's for certain. Amen. Amen. And we're going to see them somewhere between here and in the sky. That is the day we live in. That should be something we're smiling and clapping and shouting about. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing. uh, I keep listening for a different sound and we'll close. We hear about It shall come to pass. There'll be a generation. That will be the last. Amen. That's us. That's what I believe. That's why I can sing it with joy. Someone else could sing that and say, I hear about the wars and the famines and frightful. If that's you, then you need to maybe be like the little sister that came to Jesus' feet and recognized his presence here today. If that's where you are in that verse. But if you say, I keep listening to different sound. Amen. And you can lift up your voice. I'm the generation that's the last. Amen. We can sing it with joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Well, it's been a full day. It's been a full day. And we'll just thank him for all that he spoke to us. And we'll take it home. Have a wonderful week. We'll remember the needs. And we'll hold those prayers to Barb in our heart. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, O God, that we can serve a living God. We can come to your house of worship, Lord, in a day like today. and People have all their different schedules that they have. But, Lord, we can come in the presence of the Almighty God. Lord, and recognize, Lord, that you're in our midst, Lord. And that's, your prophet said, that's when things happen, O God. You're recognizing you, Lord, releases power to heal. Recognizing you releases power to save, O God. Lord, we thank you that you can come, Lord, in our midst and we can recognize you. You've given us eyes to see, Lord. Not blinded like Pharisees of old, O Lord, but in this day, those that don't have a clue. They don't know omnipotence reigns. They don't know, O God, that a son can be taken from a wretched sinner and become, Lord, as an angel, clean and washed, pure oh God. That's the God that we recognize, Lord, that can hear and answer prayers like our sister Barb, Lord. Lord, they can go forth as she spoke, Lord. Pierce the darkness, Lord. Your Holy Spirit can pierce the darkness of sin, oh God. That's a mother, Lord, recognizing that you are a God that can hear and answer prayer. Lord, that's who we serve today, Lord. That's who we're at your feet tonight, Lord. Washing your feet, Lord, with our worship. Lord, uttering praises from our lips, Lord. It's not rocks that you'll need to raise up, but your people can stand here and praise you and worship you, Lord, for what you've done to us and given us, Lord, the ability to see you are desirous to express yourself through our flesh. Lord, it's a wonderful word. If we can just grab a hold, Lord, rapture is that much closer as we heard this morning. Go with us this week, oh God. Lord, may we just revel in the thoughts, Lord. May we dig deeper in your word. May we ponder it and meditate on it, Lord. You could become more real. You could reveal yourself more to each one. Lord, maybe someone doesn't quite understand what we spoke tonight, Lord. But may, Lord, there be a little seed that was just awakened. And they're desirous, Lord, to see more. May they reach forth, Lord. May they set aside the things, Lord, of this world and the thoughts that Satan would throw in. And they'd 
penetrate and go right into where you are. And Lord, be saved. Bless your people. Lord, looking at the screen this in the evening just before coming in and could see them worshiping. Lord, I looked at, on the, with the people with a great love. Lord, I can only imagine how you look down from heaven and see your people sitting, waiting, Lord, as they were meditating before the service. Lord, bless them. May you pour in everything that they desire of you, I pray tonight. Grant them safe traveling mercies, Lord. The ones that will be traveling, Lord, Brother Tom, and different ones in the meetings for Easter. We pray, Lord, you go with them, and they would have a special time, Lord, as well. You're bright around the world, Lord, worshiping you and praising you for the resurrection. Lord, this coming Easter, Lord. Lord, it would nothing would even matter right now. It would be all worth nothing if you hadn't resurrected at that moment, Lord, at Calvary. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord. Amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Wednesday. Amen. God bless you.